friends, today we are going to be reading Matthew chapter 18. I am so sorry for the lateness of this podcast. I'm recording this in the car, so you might hear a few cars passing by us. Just ignore that. Before we get started, let's go ahead and pray over the word that we will receive today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the people in our lives. Thank you for the blessings that you pour down in our lives. We pray, Lord, for the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to really grasp the word that we're about to receive, to put it into work into our own lives, and to be able to share this with whoever needs to hear it. Help us to bear the fruits of your Spirit in everything that we do today. Holy Spirit, be breathed into us and guide us in each and every step that we take. Give us your discernment and help us to understand the truth behind the words that we will read. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This first section is called The Greatest in the Kingdom of Heaven. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This next section is called Causing to Stumble. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter the life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. This next section is called the parable of the wandering sheep. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think, if a man owns a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills, and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. This next section is called Dealing with Sin in the Church. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This last section is called the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the others saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So that is the end of chapter 18. I just really want to go over verse 17 really quickly. So that is, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So this verse kind of confused me because God tells us to love our neighbors, and then in this verse is basically telling us to treat them as we would a tax collector or pagan. I thought maybe a pagan or tax collector were not treated that badly back in the day, so I had to look it up. Um, and I came across this article. I'm gonna link the article in the description, but it says, if the sinfulness of the accused has been established and he or she continues to refuse to repent and make things right, then the church is to begin to treat this person as an outsider, in essence, as if they were a non-Christian. Jesus's description of this consequence uses the examples of tax collectors and Gentiles shows he's talking to his group of Jewish disciples within the context of their Jewish culture. The Jewish religious community also had a process for removing someone from their community who had a rebellion against God. It is important to understand that none of these steps involve treating the person with disrespect. Jewish people had working relationships with Gentiles and even tax collectors. They simply did not allow them into the heart of their community and religious life. It is also important to notice that Jesus is not describing those excommunicated people as condemned by God at this point. As Paul will show in 1 Corinthians verse 1 through 13 of chapter 5, the goal for the church remains the restoration of the sinful person once he or she has finally come to repentance. Also, it should be noted that banishment from a community should never be practiced lightly. Christian leaders should never despise those under their care, even those in rebellion. Much harm has been done by Christian leaders who have mishandled the application of this passage. The final step in this process should only ever be entered into with humility and great love for everyone involved. It is literally presented as the last resort. So what I'm getting from this passage is just make sure 
do try and forgive as many times as you can, but obviously you do have to bring the sins of your loved ones to light, and if they don't accept it, don't treat them awful, but don't let them into the heart of your religion. I hope this message helped whoever it needed to. That is all the time that I have left for today, so until next time.